This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 29. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid, and man, do we have a lot of news to talk about today. Wow. Yeah, it's a good thing because um, we don't have a topic for this week, so it all works out. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We're going to go three hours on all this news anyway. Grand Press licensed 14 new manga, guys. Oh, my God. Jeez. And that's not even counted. All the stuff Seven Seas got licensed, stuff that's coming from Kadansha, and then all this other miscellaneous news. And we got some lists to talk about. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're going on forever on this one. There isn't going to be an episode of this podcast that's under three hours for a long time yet. I'm telling you what. If we actually cover the news for three hours, I'm I'm going to start questioning how we run the show just in general. Like, what are we even doing? Why do we even do it? And where are we doing it? You know, where, how, and why? I don't know. And I'm just saying a bunch of stuff at this point. Um, So just before we head on to the show, uh, we hope everybody enjoyed our last episode uh, featuring Doctor from the Ass Backwards Anime podcast and our uh, discussion on Kohei Horikoshi's My Hero Academia. That was really fun. Hopefully we can have Doctor on again pretty soon, and by pretty soon I mean uh, on the next episode of Manga Fights? Question mark? Dun-dun-dun-dun. That's right. Manga Fights is making its return, and we're talking about My Hero Academia. Doctor's coming back, and joining us will be our first-time guest, Jeff Ruberg, a mobile developer for Shonen Jump itself and Wiz Media. He's going to be coming on the show to debate Doctor on My Hero questions, and it's going to be one heck of a good time. Remember, guys, we want your topic suggestions and questions to answer on the show, so send those in to mangamavericks at gmail.com. So there you go, sending your questions, and um, we, we might use them in our manga fight. That'd be really cool. But I think we should just head on to uh, the probably three to four, four pages worth of news we have to cover. That's right. And starting off, we're going to cover the monthly book scan list for the month of March. At the top of the list, in terms of manga, we've got One Punch Man Volume 11 ranked at number 2, with the first volume coming in at number 18. One Punch Man is dominating, and this volume had an impressive showing. It's going to be interesting to see how Volume 12 does, because there's going to be a longer wait time, since that is the most recent volume in Japan, and I believe Wiz is going to be putting that out in September. So longer wait time than usual for that one, and it's going to be interesting to see how... Pension volumes do going forward with a slow release schedule, but still selling strong. But what's really dominating the monthly book scan list of March is Zelda Breath of the Wild caused a huge boom in Zelda interest, I think, because there is a ton of Zelda manga on here, with Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess ranked at number three, the third volume of the Legendary Edition, of which covers Majora's Mask and Link of the Past, comes in at number four, whereas the first volume, which covers the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, came in at number nine, and the second volume, which covers Legend in the Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons ranked at number 12. Wow, that is a lot of Zelda. I really should check into that sometime. Yep, Zelda is a popular thing and people love it. Breaking news. Breath of the Wild, best Zelda game? I don't know, I haven't played it. I actually haven't played any Zelda except for Twilight Princess. I don't play many video games. Don't judge me. I only play Pokemon. Anyway, moving on. Tokyo Ghoul, also extremely popular, 
we got the 11th volume ranked at number 6, and the first volume at number 10. And Naruto, of course, still popular, with the novel Sasuke Story Sunrise coming in at number 14. Man, that is a lot of manga and light novel representation on the book scan list this month. Most of it Zelda, but yeah, lots of manga, nice to see. You know, I just I just want to put it out there real quick before we uh, move on. Uh, you know, I've never played Breath of the Wild, just like Sid. I've never played any other Zelda game besides Twilight Princess. But you know what? I've never even played Breath of the Wild, and I think it's a 10 out of 10 game. Best game ever. <laughs> on what grounds are you making that opinion? Uh, on the grounds that um, this is a bit and it's clearly dying. <laughs> It is. So let's move on to stuff that's ending. And we've got stuff that's ending, we've got stuff that's coming back, stuff that's just starting out. But we're starting off with something that's ending. And it's caught me by surprise because the series is a pretty recent debut. Tokyo Tariba Girls came, started, Akiko Higashimura started in 2014. It ha is ending on April 25th in Kodansha's Kiss Magazine. Uh, the story's about some 30-something single ladies who want to try and get hooked up and married. Kodansha USA has been releasing it digitally, which is awesome. Always want to see some more Higashimura stuff. And something that is exciting for fans of Black Lagoon is that it's coming back! In the June issue of Monthly Sunday GX on May 19th, Black Lagoon will finally be returning. After a hiatus of three years... Hopefully, it sticks around for longer than it did last time and actually finishes the Arkansas. But to get you caught up, they're releasing a new book to help you get back to business. That's like what it's called, Black Lagoon Back to Business. Released to customers of Sunday GX. Came out already on April 10th. It's a 328 page book. It has some of the early chapters of Black Lagoon, a remaster, quote unquote, of some chapters of the Red. Wild Red Wild Card arc, and it also has some re-creators material, including some pinouts creator interviews in the first chapter of the manga adaption. Speaking of which, the manga adaption of re-creators, which the story concept is by Rei Hiroe, is debuting in monthly Shonen Sunday on the 19th issue, which I uh, believe is, like, the next issue. Uh, yeah, so... It's an adaption of the Recreators anime, which I've heard is pretty cool. It's basically about a bunch of anime characters. They get brought into the real world and you try to find the creators. And you got a bunch of different characters from all sorts of genres. Pretty interesting. I can dig that concept. It's on Anime Strike, but luckily I have anime Amazon Prime and I got Anime Strike so I can watch yeah, it. Yeah, lucky so, you. Yeah, yeah well... <laughs> Oh, um, that actually does sound kind of neat. I, I didn't know that was the premise. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. You got a magical girl, and you got a light novel heroine, and you got a mecha pilot. All, all sorts of characters from different genres all coming together to the real world and trying to find the creators and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Cool. Hmm. Actually sounds like it could be fun. Moving on to our next piece of news. It looks like uh, recently Kodansha's uh, Nakayoshi magazine has published the first two chapters of something called Bacteria at Work. Uh, this may sound familiar because uh, the manga 
is actually a spinoff of Cells at Work, which is, uh, from what I hear, sort of an, uh, kind of edutainment kind of manga about, uh, anthropomorphic cells and how they work in your body or whatnot. And, uh, the original author of that, Akane Shimizu, is, uh, supervising this, uh, this spinoff, it seems. And, uh, Bacteria at Work, in particular, is going to be a comedy focusing on the personified good bacteria and bad bacteria waging battle inside the intestines. So, that sounds like it could be fun. I, I really would like to read uh, Cells at Work at some point. I have the first volume, got that on sale. Really should read that so I could talk about it on the show at some point. But uh, Oh yeah, I think I got that on sale too. We could talk about that on the show sometime. That'd be a nice, like, first impressions kind of thing. But anyway, so... Moving on from that, Boruto, uh, you know, that new Naruto thing that just got an anime recently, is getting a uh, a novel on May 2nd, and uh, is going to be written by uh, Ko Shienobu, and uh, obviously Masashi Kishimoto is uh, credited as the original creator of the Naruto manga, and... Uh, and is alongside credited with uh, Mikie Ikimoto and uh, Ukuyo Kodachi, basically the duo behind the the actual Boruto manga. And uh, it seems like the novel itself will center around uh, Boruto entering the Ninja Academy, uh, basically along with uh, uh, such characters as uh, Sarada, Shikadai, uh, Inojin, and uh, Chocho to face a, a coming threat to their school life. So and, You know, that's interesting, because that's what the anime so far has been about. It's about Boruto entering the academy and meeting up with all these characters for the first time, so I guess the novel is basically what they're basing the first couple episodes of the anime already on, so that's that's interesting, I guess. Yeah, so I, I actually watched the first episode of Boruto just out of, like, morbid curiosity, and I actually didn't think it was terrible, surprisingly. And this is this is coming from somebody who has long since kind of fell out of Naruto and is sort of sour on it, thanks to the, uh, the second half, essentially. I don't know, Sid, what did you think of it? The Boruto movie is really great. I think it's one of the best Shonen Jump movies. Like, it is excellent, and it really taps into one of Kishimoto's greatest writing strengths is that in the relationships between uh, parents and children, particularly fathers and sons. So the Boruto movie had this great emotional through line, and uh, the show, you know, it takes place before the movie, and, you know, so you kind of have, like, a lot of retreading of, like, oh, so, you know, Boruto is not going to get to this point, this, like, understanding he has with his dad until they adapt the movie material. But that's, like, after he's out of the Academy and only already been, like, a Genin for a little while. So, like, how long are you going to see his Academy days? And, like, what is he going to learn from this? Because we, we see how Boruto is in the movie. Like, th that seems where his story really began. So, to me where the Boruto anime is starting feels kind of like filler. It feels like stuff, oh, we didn't really need to see this, you know? It's, it's, it feels like filler to me, so... Uh, j just like Dragon Ball Super. Uh, I mean, Dragon Ball Super is, like, taking the story in, like, this completely different direction thing than... Well, I, well, I, I, meant, I meant in the sense of Dragon Ball Super also started off kind of retelling its movies, too, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but this isn't even retelling the movie yet. It's, like, taking place before the movie, before things even start happening. In the story. Oh, okay. 
So it's like, I'm wondering how long it's this going to last before we actually get to stuff that's new. To where, Like, where Borto, like, as he claims in this first episode, is going to start being his own man. And, like, this is going to be his journey. But, like, that's only recently started in the manga. Like, the last chapter of the manga, it finally is, like, the first chapter that didn't adapt the movie. And it's like it's doing a new arc. So how long is the anime going to take to get into this new stuff? To, like, see the stuff beyond the movie and, like, where Bordeaux's character actually grows. Because I'm interested in the characters. Like, I think they're... What the movie set up, what the Garlic Spring miniseries set up is really interesting. But they're biding their time. They're, like, just dragging their feet. And so, like... The characters are standing still, and I, I just want to see, like, the story move forward. Now, it's the, uh, the first episode of the anime is well-produced. I actually think it looks really good, and, like, it, it has good production values. It's just that story-wise, I, I don't know about the merits of starting before the movie. Yeah, see, as someone who hasn't already seen the Boruto movie, I, I guess that's why i at least a little positive about it. I at least kind of enjoyed it. It, it was interesting. But I guess moving on from that, uh, Kodansha has announced that uh, both volumes of Attack on Titan No Regrets, which I believe is a uh, spinoff about Levi, if I'm not uh, mistaken, will be reissued in a full color edition on June 9th, 2017. And uh, it's also noted that uh, this spinoff series has printed over uh, 1.5 million copies in Japan. So obviously they were expecting this to sell pretty well, uh, I believe. And uh, apparently... Uh, in addition to basically colorizing all of the original pages, th there will also be a story that was not included in the original uh, Tonka Bonds, which that's pretty interesting. That'll be included in the uh, full color edition. And uh, it seems like uh, the full color edition will also feature two new uh, two new covers with Levi, illustrated by uh, Hikaru uh, Suruga. And uh, I think that all sounds pretty cool. I, I hope this gets... Uh, this gets licensed for a uh, English release. I think a lot of people would be interested in buying this because I, I know how much uh, people really like their full-colored manga. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. This is going to get licensed by Kodansha and they'll put it out. So that'll be interesting. It was a, a No Regret story is pretty good. Levi is a pretty interesting character. His backstory is pretty interesting as well. So moving on to something, another thing that's ending that I kind of forgot to mention because I skipped ahead to Black Lagoon. And stuff is that the Fate Zero manga by Shinjiro is going to be ending on the next issue of Young Ace magazine on May 2nd. And the 14th compiled volume of the series will be its last. So if you really enjoy this manga, it is ending. Uh, that's pretty neat. But we've got some new series starting soon in Dengeki Dio which is launching six new series to debut in its April and May issues. And the f the June issue, which ships on April 27th, will include a new manga spin-off of Kazuma Kamachi's and Motori Fukuyama's certain scientific railgun manga called two A Certain Scientific Railgun Side Story Astral Body, drawn by Koji Nogi focusing on an unnamed character who appears throughout the story of Scientific Railgun and Magical Index, whose name is going to be finally revealed in the story. Then another new series debuting in the June issue is by Nutmeg Seiju, 
called Your Hus Hero Husband is Cheating on You, about a hero who is married when monster girls seeking children of heroic lineage keep coming after him to steal him away, and the hero's are chooses to deal with the monster girls herself. Sounds pretty amusing. Then we've got Akira Fujimatsu's Oni Futatsu, otherwise called Two Demons, which is also coming out in the June issue, about a demon called a Shinki living inside each person, and a high school student hates his Shinki and tries to suppress his inner demon, but certain events bring him outside of him. I actually kind of like the um, uh, the key art for this one. I, I really like how uh, soft the art style looks. I, like, I, I guess I just I like the character designs uh, in general. I I would read this. Yeah, Oni Girl has a pretty neat design. Guys kind of looks bland, but yeah. <laughs> then we've got the Kino's Journey manga, which is going to be debuting in the July issue on May 27th. And yeah, that's uh, adaption of Kino's Journey in manga form. I'm excited for this. Hopefully this gets licensed when it gets collected in Tankathon form. So, so, so Sid, actually, before we move on, I do want to talk about this real quick. Because um, when I was researching some of these series, um, I was really confused by this Kino's Journey announcement. Because um, lest we forget, we actually reported a couple episodes back. I forget exactly when, but uh, about another uh, Kino's Journey manga adaptation. I made sure to go back and check. This is not the same one. Yeah, this is a different one. The other one debuted in Shonen Magazine Edge on March 17th. This is like a different adaptation of it. So that's really um, that's really interesting to me that there are going to be two manga adaptations of Kino's Journey running at the same time. I, I wonder if that'll confuse Japanese readers or not. <laughs> Probably not. There's a lot of different spin-off series of one franchise that run in different magazines all the time. I think uh, ReZero is in Sword Art Online have like multiple spin-offs going on at the same time. I mean, spin-offs are one thing, but like this is these are two adaptations of the exact same material. They're probably adapting different things though, so that's a good point. I just found it kind of interesting, just wanted to put out there that this is a different uh Kino's Journey adaptation that is going to be coming to the uh July issue, I believe. Yes. Also coming in the July issue is Kanoka Tana's Photographing Love, about a transfer student, Mamoru Kabushima, who enters his school's photography club due to a certain strange incident, meets an upperclassman who has the strange nickname of Ice Goddess, where she never laughs since odd, and he captures a day where her smile was locked up in a photo and the romance begins. And also in the July issue coming is Mushu's uh, Furidashi ni Ochiru, about a 16-year-old high school named Hato Aoi who just wants to enjoy high school life, but it turns out she doesn't really act like a high school girl. It's a story about a girl who tries her hardest to become a real high school girl. Huh. That sounds vague enough to be interesting, I guess. Does she want to become a real high school girl literally, metaphorically, figuratively? I don't know. I guess we'll just have to read. Yeah. That's, so those are some cool things coming from Decking Dial. Moving on. For fans of Yuatase and Fushiki Yugi in particular, there's going to be a new Fushiki Yugi spinoff called Byakyo Hen coming out on August 28th in the October issue of Monthly Flowers magazine. This was previously announced by Watase earlier in the year, and there's like been a one-shot about the Biyako back in 2015. But yeah, this is going to be a new spinoff of Fushigi Yugi. 
Well, there you go. Um, how much, just out of curiosity, how many, um, is there more than one Fushigi Yugi spinoff? Or is this the first one? Or I feel like I've seen other ones around There's before. There's been other ones as well. Okay. Huh, there you go. That's another thing I need to read is Fushigi Yugi. Because I, I feel bad because, like, I actually got pretty far into it. But then I just, I just never got around to reading the rest because I was borrowing from a friend and she just ne- never gave me the rest of her volumes for some reason. I don't know why, but um, that's something I do need to read again because, uh, hey, that's a shoujo manga that I liked. There you go. I, I read shoujo manga, guys. Yeah, I've only read the first volume or so, but I really like Saris. That's a great manga, so I'm definitely going to check out Fushigi Yugi sometime. But uh, I guess uh, moving on to our last piece of uh, serialization news. Um, so we talked about uh, how a couple of episodes ago, how uh, To Love or Darkness uh, was ending in, uh, what was it, Jump Square, I believe? Yes. I think it runs in Jump Square, yeah. But it seems like uh, the final volume uh, of the series that just came out a little uh, recently has a few comments from uh, the both the writer and the uh illustrator uh writer sasaki hasemi made a note in the final volume that while to love her darkness may be over and while any future developments haven't really been set in stone that uh apparently the last chapter of to love her darkness is not the final chapter of to love her so i guess uh hasemi wants to continue to love her in some way that's kind of interesting but uh, what's interesting to me is that uh, Kentaro Yabuki, the artist of Telavru, uh, also revealed in the same volume that uh, he thinks that his next work uh, probably won't be related to Telavru. But he also mentioned that uh, he maybe wouldn't mind drawing a story about one of the characters named uh, Mikan as a magical girl. He said, quote, uh, it would be nice if there was a time and place where I can find the time to draw that. Um, so that's really interesting to me how Hasemi seems to want to keep writing more to Lover at some point, but uh, Yabuki doesn't seem like he's interested in drawing anymore. At least that's that's what I'm taking away from this. So I wonder, because I mean, like I, I haven't really read any to Lover, but I've <laughs> I've seen enough of it online to know that I feel like even as someone who hasn't read uh, too much to Lover, that like it, Yabuki's art is kind of the centerpiece of that entire manga. Like, I can't really imagine To Love Ru being drawn by anyone else, personally. I don't know, Sid, do you have any thoughts? They probably could find another artist who is as skilled as Yabuki if they really needed to. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like Yabuki himself has interest in doing more To Love Ru. So whether or not it does continue uh, with him on board is questionable. Personally, I'm hoping that whether or not True Lover continues, Yabuki will not continue with it, and he'll go on and do his own thing again, instead of, you know, wasting Drawing his talent. Board. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see. Personally, I, I would like to see Yabuki draw something else that isn't to love Ru. I hope maybe he gets to he gets to do something along the lines of Black Cat again, something something with a little more edge to it. Because uh, Black Cat was pretty good. I wouldn't mind rereading that at some point. I really enjoyed reading that. But I think that's about it for all of our serialization news. We got a ton of licenses to talk about. Yes. Um, so our first bit of licensing news, obviously, you know, if you're following the uh, Viz Shonen Jump, uh, you already know at this point that uh, Dr. Stone has been added to the uh, Weekly Shonen Jump lineup via the Viz edition. So 
I mean, I can't really say this comes off as too much of a surprise because like even even as early as like when they ran the second chapter as a part of their jumpstart initiative, they already had like an entire like um summary page fully designed for it and everything. So I think even as far as that goes, you could kind of tell that they were already planning on uh keeping this in the magazine. Uh so I can't really say I'm too surprised. It had the strongest early buzz and like most overwhelmingly positive reception out of all the recent batch of jump starts. So it makes total sense why they added it and I'm very happy because it is unlike anything else in Jump, I feel. It's really exciting, really interesting, great art, and uh, extremely engaging, and has a great fast pace, too. Yeah, like, I, I feel like this uh, Dr. Stone, I feel like is easily the most interesting out of this out of the six Jump Starts, just me personally. I do want to put this out there, though, before we move on. A little gripe that I kind of have with the community is that, like, because uh, so far at the time of this recording, Dr. Stone has been the only of the six jump starts to to have been added to the lineup. So I've seen this cause a little bit of panic in people thinking, oh, well, Dr. Stone's the only one they're going to add from the six jump starts. Oh, no. What about Robot Laser Beam? What about Poro? Oh, no. What about those series? And I'm just sitting here like, well, they're probably going to add them one at a time. Like, I, I see people kind of... Uh, spreading doom and gloom about that kind of thing, and I'm just sitting here like, well, I don't know, I, I don't think it's really anything to worry about. I don't know, Sid, what do you think? Clearly they didn't read the preview of the next issue, where it clearly says at the bottom, we're adding another series next issue! So, if they're worried about them not adding another series, I guess they just don't read, so I don't know what they're <laughs> complaining about. Uh. Uh, yeah, the, the, sorry, that was just a little gripe I kind of had to get off my chest, because I, I had seen people talk like that for, like, a week, and it was just kind of getting on my nerves, like, guys, that doesn't make any sense, there's there's no way, they said at the beginning they were going to add, like, three new series out of these six, but also, just to, ca ca just to counter my own point, which I seem to do a lot, uh, unless something happens where it's like, you can clearly tell, oh, all, all five of these other series are clearly going to tank in Japan and they're not going to, uh, you know, live past like chapter 18 or 20 or whatever, or however short-lived some of these uh, jump series are. I can't see them really going back on their word about adding more than one new series to the lineup from these six. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's just something that kind of got on my nerves. But Dr. Sun's being added, and that's good. I'm... I'm pretty sure that Robot Laser Beam's going to be added to the next issue. I thought I saw that somewhere, but I guess we'll just have to wait until the next issue comes out. But moving on, we've got some licensing news from Seven Seas. Starting off with what is going to be released soonest is Nirvana Fantasy by the author of Kagaru Daze by Jin and Sayuki under the name Zowls. Uh, which is going to ship out on August 8th. It is about a girl called Yachio Hitose, who sacrifices her time and energy to follow in her mother's footsteps as a relief volunteer. But her plane clashes, and she wakes up in a world of magic and mysticism. And she's hailed as a goddess against the forces of evil. And a mysterious keepsake from her mother might be the key to saving everyone. So it's like a pretty interesting fantasy series that'll be out on August 8th. 
Then coming out on October 24th will be Yokai Rental Shop by Shin Mashiba about a guy who learns he has a half-brother he's never met and he turns out to be kind of a mummy that sells whaler animals. So yeah, that'll be out on October 24th. Then coming out on November 7th is Anti-Magic Academy, the 35th Test Platoon by Yohei Yazumura, the second adaption of the light novel series of the same name about an anti-magic academy that trains special soldiers to fight witches. Then, there isn't a exact release date for this, but it's coming out in the fall. An adaption of, well, the manga of In This Corner of the World by Fumio Kono, which had a pretty well-acclaimed anime adaptation that came out in Japan last uh, November, and about... A young bride in 1940s Hiroshima who leaves home to find, to join her husband in the Navy at a military base in the port city of Kure. And basically dealing with the war and her home life, you know, being put under strain by her husband being in the military. Seems like a pretty cool story. And this manga has been previously released by J Manga in English online. But Seven Seas is putting this out in print, which is pretty nice. Ah, uh, yes, I remember J Manga. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. Another movie related release Seven Seas is doing is the uh, original Perfect Blue novels that Satoshi Khan adapted into his acclaimed anime film which are slated to ship out on December 12, 2017 and April 24, 2018. Uh, Cone's film adapted the first novel uh, by Yoshikazu Takeuchi, but Seven Seas is going to be releasing both novels, and uh, it seems pretty interesting. Psychological thriller focused on pop idols. So, yeah. I've heard very good things about Perfect Blue, and not that I haven't seen any Satoshi Kon movies. Like, I've seen Paprika, and I've also seen uh, Tokyo Godfathers. Those are both very good movies, um, but I could definitely use more Satoshi Kon in my life. Well, this isn't necessarily have anything to do with Satoshi Kon. This is, like, the novels that he adapted to make his Perfect Blue film. I know. I was just talking. I was just talking about the movie in general, but uh, the original novels do sound interesting too. Like uh, all of these Seven Seas licenses actually do sound pretty interesting. I know. Um, in this corner of the world, that was um, the the movie for that was recently in theaters over here, if I'm not mistaken. Was it? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I thought I was. I don't think it has been released over here yet. Maybe in some select screenings in uh, New York or San Francisco, but not no wide releases yet. Ah, okay. So, you know, I've I've heard some people talk about that, and I'd be very interested in seeing that. Um, and Yokai Rental Shop, I I was also kind of interested in, too. That looks like it could be a fun series. So, I think some good licenses from Seven Seas. Yeah, very eclectic, very interesting titles. But, uh, you know, moving on with more licensing news, uh, it looks like uh, Kodansha actually recently, um, I guess this isn't so much a license as it is a release, because uh, Kodansha... Uh, USA just recently uh, put up a few uh, t uh, select titles uh, up for a digital release. The first one being uh, Domestic Girlfriend from Kei Sasuga. And um, so I'm not so sure about this uh, synopsis. So it seems like Domestic Girlfriend is about a, 
a high schooler named Natsuno, who is hopelessly in love with his uh, cheerful and popular teacher. Apparently, one day at a mixer, he meets a girl named uh, Rui, and uh, they end up sleeping together. Apparently, afterwards, uh, Natsuo's father announces that uh, he's getting remarried to a woman with two daughters. I think the synopsis is implying that uh, Hina and Rui are both of his wife's daughters, I think. I think that's what the synopsis is trying to tell me here. That just sounds awkward. <laughs> you got your uh, teacher crush, and then you and then you got your girl, this other high school girl who you ended up sleeping with. Like, I don't know. This This sounds like it could be kind of messy. I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, uh, the other title that uh, Kodacha released digitally is a recent uh, GTO entry, you know, uh, that being Great Teacher Onizuka, uh, GTO Paradise Lost, which um, I think I think you can read this on Crunchyroll Manga still, if I'm not mistaken. And essentially, Paradise Lost in particular is because uh, I think I think in this particular entry, Onizuka is in jail at first. I think that's how it starts off. It starts off with a flash forward where he's in jail, but then okay. it's about him talking about how he used to teach a class full of young celebrities and idols that was at the academy for some reason now. It's like, uh, but, okay. but oh no, they're a, they're a problem class and everybody's scared of them. That's never been done before. <laughs> no, that isn't ever, the plot of all the GTO series at all i'm gonna hold my thoughts because you know if you follow me on twitter you you guys already know that i am actually uh attempting my first read-through of the original great teacher onizuka from uh from tokyo pop you know that uh the the company that everybody loves <laughs> we're hopefully gonna be uh talking about that next episode actually so i'll hold my thoughts but yeah, so, you know, if you're a fan of GTO and you want some more of that to read, uh, the first volume of that is available digitally. I'm sure you could buy that on Comixology or read that on Crunchyroll if that's still up. So, there you go. More GTO. Uh, for the next episode of the, G the GTO discussion, I'll read all the GTO spinoffs and I'll give you my opinions on each. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Moving on, we've got, like, 14 manga and... Uh, three light novel titles that Light Rien Press licensed uh, at SakuraCon. Uh, Gambate, Sid. Yes. So, first they announced they're going to be releasing a Sword Art Online art book. It's a full-color art book by uh, Sword Art Online artist Abek. And then uh, they've licensed the light novels and manga adaptation of Tanya the Evil by... Uh, Carlo Zen and Shinobu Shinotsuki, manga version drawn by Kiyaki Tojo. Next, we've got another thing from the recent winter season, uh, Natsuyono's Aka 13. Uh, definitely both of these, uh, I'm going to assume, popular enough um, uh, anime from this previous anime season, so those are some good gets. Yes, and then some older titles that had a anime long time ago is Macha Hazuki's One Week Friends. A boy who notices his classmate was alone and starts hanging out with her, but then she starts losing her memory. And so he resolves to befriend her each and every week. Then you've got Koromo's Polar Bear in Love. A polar bear falls in love with a seal, but the seal is thinking the polar bear is trying to eat it. Sounds that sounds cute. so cute. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Then we've got Kichishiku Sawa and 
Hadai, Tamori Sword Art Online, Alternative Gun Gale Online, which is a spin-off of Sword Art Online about a pint-sized, pink-dressed player in Gun Gale Online. Another Sword Online spin-off that they're releasing is uh, Sword Art Online Caliber, an adaption of the Caliber arc of the series. Then we've got Mujirushi Shimazaki's Monster Tamer Girls, about girls who had started attending a new school and finding themselves responsible for taking care of feeding monsters. Then we've got Mai Tanaka's Terrified Teacher at Ghoul School, about a guy who starts teaching at a school full of creatures. Seems like a, a little bit like an interview with Monster Girls. Then we've got Kakashi Oniyazu's Though You May Burn to Ash, about a guy who wants to save his dying sister, and uh, taking an offer by an angel who says he can change his fate, and then finds himself trapped in a twisted game of greed and stakes of life and death. Then we've got Ryusuke Asakura's Valix Love, about a high schooler who has accepted his lonely lot, but then a god Odin taps him to save the world alongside nine Valkyries fueled by intimacy. Okay. Then we've got Machabas as Miss Beezlebub likes, about a guy who lands his dream job with the Demon King, but it turns out the Demon King isn't what he expected because it's a kawaii cute girl, probably. Oh, then, no. Then uh, Rihitu Takarai's Grenelliers by uh, the same guy behind Ten Count about a world where seeds of plants are imbued with power and the main character, an illegal seed cultivator, uh, comes in cross with a rare and powerful seed. Then we've got Afro's laid-back camp Delta, about two girls, one bike, one camp, one mountain, and it's a heartwarming story about camping. I'm calling it right now. That's going to be a sleeper hit. Uh, and Probably. That's, uh, that's going to be a sleeper hit anime one of these days in the next, like, year or so, I'm sure. Probably. Then we've got Kudan Naruka and Nakoto Sanada's Angel Slaughter, about girls waking up without any memory, meeting a serial killer, but then they decide to use the serial killer as a convenient resource to get out of the building in which they're trapped. Almost sounds like the manga adaptation of Saw, or at least the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I haven't watched Saw. I just know it's torture porn. Anyway, we've got Fuse and Meets Vaz regarding reincarnation as slime about a guy who gets killed and wakes up in another world as a slime monster. I'm betting that's going to be an anime one of these days. And then finally, we've got Okina Baba and Asahiro Kakashi, so I'm a spider, so what, about a girl who used to be normal, but then she woke up in another world as a spider. Okay. A lot of fantasy world stuff. Yeah, that last one is uh, very interesting. Okay. She turned into a monster girl. Oh, no. This is so stupid. I was actually kind of expecting you because when you said um, it was about a girl who, uh, about a normal girl who woke up, I was expecting you to end with, and then found out she wasn't normal. <laughs> uh, Should have made that joke. Yeah, a lot of fantasy world stuff. They're very popular, and I would definitely think that a lot of these. Probably we'll see his anime one day. The stuff that isn't already anime. Probably, Seems yeah. Like in Vogue stuff. I'm most looking forward to Aka 13 
because I enjoyed what I saw in the anime, and it's Natsume Ono, so yeah, some good stuff. Yeah, Natsume Ono is um, another person whose works I, I'd like to get around to reading and or watching, because in the case of Natsume Ono, you know, there's Aka 13, and then there's, um, I believe on Crunchyroll, it's called uh, Ristorante Paradiso or something. Yeah, that 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 seemed kind of interesting. Yeah, I think out of all these, um, a polar bear in love is definitely something that sounds like uh, that's something up my alley. Monster Tamer Girls actually sounds like it could be kind of cute. Grand Liars, I think uh, that sounds like something that like could be a really cool anime, especially. Um, and then, like I said, Angel Slaughter. Um, while it sounds like the beginning of a Saw movie, I'm sure it'll probably end up a lot better than most of the Saw movies. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> So, a lot of licenses, a ton of stuff, but there's some really interesting stuff in there. So, thank you, Yen Press. Good job. And that does it for licensing news. Thank God. Yeah, but uh, there are some other cool things that might be coming down the pipes. Because Leiji Matsumoto has teased that there is a new project in the works. And that new project is probably this Space Captain Harlock live-action movie. The live-action rights have been acquired by Filmworld Studios, and so they have a new project in the works for Harlock. They posted a statement on their Facebook, in English, French, or Japanese, that they've acquired the rights, and they're going to make announcements as soon as, you know, they've uh, gotten... Everything is all sorted out. But yeah, a new Harlock movie. Now, it's important to note that this is specifically based on the original manga by Matsumoto and not the anime adaption. So that's why there can be like two separate rights going out. So here, confirm something for me. So is this a, is this a Japanese production or a Hollywood production? Filmworld Studios is an American company. They're based in Los Angeles. So yes, it's a U.S. production. Well, there you go. So cool. U.S.-based Harlock adaptation. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder how that's going to turn out. Hopefully better than what I've been hearing about Ghost of the Shell, at least. Yeah, I mean, you gotta really mess up to make something as bad as that. Oh, boy. So, actually, I would have assumed that, because um, didn't we talk about a couple episodes back about how um, Leiji Matsumoto had an idea to, like, cross over most of his works into one, or? Yeah, he does have that idea, but he hasn't announced that, like, as an official thing yet. I was going to say, when I when I saw that um, you mentioned that he had a new project in the works, I just assumed it might have something to do with that, but do you not think that's the case, then? No, it's specifically this uh, Harlock film that Filmworld Studios is doing. That was okay. the new project. All right. Okay, so it wasn't anything, like, manga-specific. No. Okay, that's interesting, then. Space Captain Harlock is just another classic that I just I don't have under my belt yet, but um, I'll probably have to watch it at some point, because if, if there's anything I'd be kind of interested in seeing a live-action adaptation of, I think... Hopefully a Captain Harlock movie could work, maybe. Yeah, I think it would work well in live action. It has before. There is live action Harlock films, so yeah. Okay. I think it could do right if they stay right by the source material. Alright then. Uh so something interesting that I guess uh we wanted to move on to and uh probably something that's gonna maybe end up accidentally becoming a topic for the show is uh 
there are a few uh, pretty well-known uh, manga series in particular that we have gotten updates for in terms of how many copies are now. Now, uh, we just want to make that distinction because uh, I've talked about this kind of thing on other podcasts before, and unfortunately, I've confused a lot of people when I talk about this kind of thing. So, you know, copies in print, we're not talking about how many have actually sold, but just how many copies of a particular volume or series or whatever have actually been printed, which I feel like for a lot of people may not sound super important, but I think uh, something I take away from, you know, news like this is that, you know, whenever somebody comes out and is like, oh, well, yada, yada, yada series has like a hundred billion copies in print or something, I think just means that in some cases means that uh, certain publishers are expecting like a lot of really great sales from a particular series or you know i think uh like when when you accumulate these uh, amounts over time just show that like you know how i i think i think it's a kind of an indicator i guess is how much has they're either expecting something to sell or how much has kind of sold if that makes any sense so this news may not sound super important but i think it's still kind of interesting to talk about and uh uh, the first of those series we're going to be talking about is One Piece, because it seems uh, with volume 84 of the manga, it seems that uh, One Piece now has 350 million copies printed worldwide. Not just Japan, that's worldwide. That's a crazy amount of One Piece that has been printed. I think uh, previously Viz had reported a couple of years back at this point that uh, One Piece had more than four, uh, 345 million copies in print worldwide. And if I'm not mistaken, and I, also, I also think that um, One Piece had about 300 million copies printed in Japan alone, if I'm not mistaken. And I think 45 million, the other 45 million came from like worldwide sales. So that's pretty interesting. This news, uh, by the way, comes from uh, the May issue of Shueisha's uh, Psycho Jump of all magazines. So that's kind of interesting. I figured this kind of news would have been uh, announced in uh, Shonen Jump first, but uh, that's just an interesting note. So, so One Piece continues to dominate in all aspects. That's nothing new. Yeah, I mean, it has three times as many copies in print as the population of Japan. That's pretty amazing. And its record of having the most copies published for the same comic book by a single author, the ceiling for that has just increased once again. So One Piece is studying a global standard that it's going to be a tough act for any comic book series out there to really match up to. Well, there you go. Moving on to our next series. Uh, so Dark Horse, of all companies had announced that apparently their English language uh, release of the Berserk manga has 1.2 million copies in print, which I think for an English release over in the U.S., I think, I mean, we don't have too many other examples to compare it to off the top of my head, but that's a lot more than I thought any manga over here could really have in print, honestly. That's kind of amazing. It is quite impressive, yeah. I don't think there are many other manga in the U.S. that can boast having that many copies in circulation. I think Naruto at one point had a million copies in, uh, sold, at least over here. I'm pretty sure that was advertised on the volumes at one point. Naruto, Dragon Ball, Death Note. I would assume those titles would have a lot of copies in print. But yeah, Berserk is an one of the exceptional titles in the U.S. manga market, I think. Yeah, you, you can't say Berserk doesn't sell, I don't think. Which is why I'm still confused that Dark Horse doesn't bother trying to put it up digitally. That still kind of boggles my mind a little bit, but whatever. 
I don't know, probably some issue with Haku Sensha, probably all these contractual things they're trying to work around. You know, we'll we'll never know the full story. I I feel like if they could, they would, but who knows? That is a fair point to bring up, you know, uh, pardon my French, but licensing is kind of a bitch, and it's very complicated and difficult from what I hear in the uh, anime and manga industry, so I guess I can't give Dark Horse too much flack. Like, like, Like Sid said, I'm sure if they could, they would, but it's just like... As as a consumer, it's a little frustrating because I want to read Berserk, but I I guess my issue is I don't have the space, which is why I kind of buy more digital manga than I do, like, physical nowadays anymore. I just don't have the room. I don't have the room for 38 volumes of Berserk, guys. Help me out here. So that's really cool. And, you know, in comparison, uh, as of 2015, you know, Berserk in particular had 27 million copies uh, in print over in Japan, and apparently 8 million copies in print in other countries, including the previously in 2015 in the United States, Italy, Germany, Spain, France, etc., etc. So those are some interesting kind of comparisons. And then I guess uh, the last series here that's sort of reached a milestone is uh, Yasuhisa Hara's Kingdom manga has achieved 30 million copies in print as of... Uh, this year's 19th issue of Shueisha's Weekly Young Jump, which is pretty cool because uh, apparently as far back as um, as this past January, you know, uh, Kingdom had 28 million copies in print. So so uh, another like 2 million copies of Kingdom have been printed in like the span of, I want to say, three or four months. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty great rate of growth. Uh, Kingdom is just continuing to pick up steam. Yeah, Kingdom is something I definitely see a lot of talk of in, like, just general manga fandom. And the more talk I see of it, the more I just, I kind of want to just start on it. Um, it's a shame that's not licensed over here yet, though. Well, maybe one day. One day. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, because it definitely has enough popularity online, I think, to probably warrant it being licensed. I'm sure, uh, well, I guess it's a, it's a Shueisha title, so I guess... It would most likely have to be picked up by Viz, but from from what I hear, I guess it, I guess that kind of thing doesn't matter too much because I guess like you know other companies could bid for it, I guess, but most likely Viz would probably be the most likely candidate to pick it up. But I mean, you never know. We'll just have to see. Only time will tell. But you know, uh, talking about manga uh, with first printings, um, so. Uh, the combined uh, May and June issue of the uh, Sukuru Shupan's uh, Sukuru magazine published a chart uh, listing the top 15 manga volumes for three publishers, uh, those being Kodansha, Shogakukan, and Shueisha, basically listing the biggest first printing amounts for a volume of manga in the last 12 months. Uh, so this particular chart uh, reflects uh, volume releases from between April 2016 through March 2017. So I guess we can start with Kodansha here. And I don't think I want to go through like all of the list. I think I'm going to go through the top five, I think. And then if there's anything you want to point out in particular, so you can stop me if you want. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that Attack on Titan has about three, four times as many first copies uh, in print than its runner-up Seven Deadly Sins. With uh, Attack on Titan had, for its 19th volume had uh, two million and seventy thousand copies in print for its first uh, for the first printing of volume 19, whereas Seven Deadly Sins got six hundred and sixty thousand for its first printing of volume 20. 
like the demand for Attack on Titan is extremely high. Oh yeah, and then just uh, those those three kind of following that I thought were interesting were the uh, the heroic legend of Arslan, the uh, the manga adaptation of the original novel from uh, Hiromu Arakawa of such famous works as Full Metal Alchemist and Silver Spoon. The uh, the fifth volume of that had about a uh, 519,000 copies in print, while the 13th volume of St. Young Men had 508,000 copies in print, and number five being uh, volume eight of Ajin having uh, 440,000 copies in print. So, interesting titles. But yeah, like Sid said, uh, definitely uh, the most in demand is definitely Attack on Titan. No surprise there. I'm surprised Arzlan is actually that successful. Hmm. I just I wouldn't have assumed. And it's also it's interesting that Fairy Tale isn't that doesn't have that many uh, first copies in print. It has a fair less than for its most recent volume than Seven Lily Sins had. Mm, that is interesting. So, I mean, Sins has probably definitely supplanted it as uh, the front runner of magazine. Yeah, Sins is definitely a popular title. And just to clarify for those of you wondering, uh, Fairy Tales Volume 55 only had about 400,000 copies in print. So that's that's definitely uh, a bit of a drop. But I guess we can move on to uh, Shigaku-Kan, who, for those who may not remember, is the publisher of uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday, as we talked about on the show before. So definitely number one, I'm not super surprised because this is still a it's still a fairly popular franchise. Uh, Detective Conan, Volume 91 in particular, had about 700,000 copies in print, which, you know, I don't think is a bad thing. It's still pretty good. Uh, just to name a couple, I guess. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that uh, Major the Second, Volume 5, had about 480,000 copies in print. And then we have uh, Magi, Volume 29, with about the same amount, actually, 480 copies in print. Uh, so it's good to see Magi still uh, still has some demand. And then stuff like uh, Dagashi Kashi, which uh, I'm pretty sure was a manga that became popular thanks to its anime, from what I'm seeing. I think it was already popular before the anime, actually. Hmm. Okay, then. Volume 5 of that in particular had about 300,000 copies in print. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else on here I want to mention. Mitsuru Adachi's Mix. Is at number four with 475 copies of print. Okay. So it's doing extremely well as well. I'm, I'm glad that even though it seems like Sunday kind of gets the short end of the stick, unfortunately, in terms of sales and circulation, it seems like it still has series that do well enough. I mean, I think they could always do better, though, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, especially when you compare it to Jump. It's not... Well, Jump series have, like, higher first printings. And a lot higher demand. Okay, yeah. So, so here are some interesting numbers. Um, to nobody's surprise, just moving on to uh, Shueisha, who publishes Weekly Shonen Jump. Number one, the top of this list is One Piece Volume eighty four, which has about uh three million six hundred thousand copies in print. And then I guess, kind of to my surprise, but then I remember, oh wait, the series actually still sells, even though it's constantly on hiatus. Uh, Hunter Hunter Volume thirty three, which is uh, the newest volume has about uh, 1,600,000 copies in print, which I'm always surprised to see how much demand there is for... Well, I guess... Actually, no, I take that back. I'm not surprised uh, that there's so much demand for Hunter x Hunter because it's constantly on hiatus, so obviously people are going to... So obviously there's going to be more demand for it because it's never in the magazine ever. So I'm sure people are very hungry for that. Um, Assassination Classroom, 
actually is at number three on this list of with volume 21 ranking at about 870,000 copies in print. So a bit of a jump down, but it's still nothing to sneeze at. That's still pretty good. Then we have uh, Tokyo Ghoul Re, uh, volume 10 of that, uh, ranking at about 820,000 copies in print. And finally, number five with One Punch Man, volume 12, with about 750,000 copies in print. Yeah, so the demand for One Piece far surpasses everything else uh, from any publisher. Literally two million more copies in print than the latest volume of Hunter x Hunter. Yeah, and over a million... 500 copies in print from Attack on Titan. Like, nothing touches One Piece in terms of circulation. No, not at all. In terms of man. So, on a level of normalcy for Shueisha titles, like, Assassination Classroom, it clearly ended, like, on the high end of, like, popularity and demand. So, like, it was cool to see Numbers 3 had that many copies in first printing. And then, yeah, Tokyo Ghoul and One Punch Man, of course, are no surprise. Those are international big, big wigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I guess were, were there any other titles uh, in the Shueisha rankings that you were interested in pointing out in particular? Or I'll just point out that My Hero Academia is in the top ten of this with five hundred sixty million first printing for Volume Twelve, so it's also getting up there, which is pretty cool. It's interesting to me that both Haikyuu and the uh, Kuroko's Basketball Extra Game. Uh, series Haikyuu ranking number six, and then Kuroko's Basketball uh, ranking number seven. Haikyuu volume twenty-five had about seven hundred and forty thousand copies in print, while Kuroko's Basketball Extra Game had about uh, six hundred and eighty thousand copies in print. So it's I, I guess I'm not too surprised that Haikyuu's in the top ten. I should I shouldn't be as surprised about Kuroko's Basketball, but I am also a little bit surprised because you know that that's a series that's ended. This is like. You know, like an extra arc, if I'm led to believe. Just uh, some supplementary material. Bit of an epilogue, I think. It's still extremely popular. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to me that, I guess, uh, D. Grayman doesn't look like it's doing too badly with Volume 25, ranking at number 12, with 460,000 copies in print. Um, I, I really feel bad for that series, because I know the author of that particular series, I know her health isn't exactly the best. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that D. Gray Man, there's at least some demand for it. And then stuff like Boruto's even on this list. Well, that's not much of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me that's a bit surprising because I, I, I don't know. I know Naruto's popular. I just, I wasn't expecting Boruto to get as much traction as it has, honestly. It's more Naruto. Well, I mean, think of it this way, Sid. Dragon Ball GT was more Dragon Ball, but not a lot of people dug that. <laughs> I mean that's kind of different because that was that was an anime only thing and Dragon Ball GT just uh wasn't really that good overall in my opinion. I'm not alone yeah. in that, but I guess that's a whole different thing. But I guess uh we can move on to the last thing we wanted to talk about in terms of uh so uh sometimes we talk about these uh polls from like Goo or all these different like kinds of websites or whatnot. This particular poll is basically a list of manga that fans have dropped due to overall length, uh, which is interesting. Uh, this poll in particular, uh, this particular poll was conducted uh, from December 20th to January 2nd, and uh, a total of 3,526 people have responded to this poll. And uh, just another note, this poll includes both ongoing and completed series. 
I guess to really, again, to no one's surprise, the, the series that ranks number one on this list is uh, One Piece, with currently 84, I think, going on to 85 volumes at this point, now published. Uh, 542 people voted for this series, uh, which, you know, I can understand that. One Piece is super long, but I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if, like, if I were a One Piece fan, if I, were, if I were, like, just getting into One Piece, I wonder at what point would you drop One Piece? Because I feel like... Uh, some people drop a lot of these like long running series probably because they're like, oh, I'd rather wait till like maybe this ends or maybe there's an ending in sight so I could like read all of it at once or like maybe they just get to a point where they feel like, man, the series really isn't as like interesting. Like, like, why am I even reading this thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, but a lot of long running series, you know, eventually you might just lose interest in it or like just not have the time to keep up with it anymore. But, like, there are definitely, like, points I can see people, like, putting One Piece off to the side. There's some slow points, especially in recent years. Fishman Island and Dressrosa, there were times where, like, eh, I don't know if I really care about reading the new chapter. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. I can see that. Then at number two, we have Detective Conan, published at uh, 91 volumes as of this recording, with uh, uh, 352 people voting for the series. Uh, now, Detective Conan... It's really weird. So I sometimes I rant on Twitter about people who like don't want to get into things because they're too long. Because me personally, whenever somebody whenever I try to recommend something to people and, and their argument against why they don't want to get into a thing is, oh, it's too long. I don't know if I want to make the commitment, you know, on one level, I kind of get that. But also at the same time, you know, I feel like people have this like, I don't know what you would call it, this expectation just due to our culture of, like, this binging culture that we now have, where it's like, you know, if you present somebody with something as long as, say, One Piece or Conan, they're like, oh, that's super long. I don't know if I want to really make the commitment to when, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you don't have to sit and watch all watch or read all of this at once, right? You know, you can space things out. So, I don't know. Personally, I feel like when people complain about things being too long, that... For me personally, I don't feel like it's a valid complaint about a thing. But then you have stuff like Conan where it's like, like Conan in particular, what I love about it is that it has a premise that literally allows it to go on forever. And you can understand why. Because, you know, you literally have this kid running around trying to hunt down a a very seedy, giant, but secret crime organization that clearly knows how to cover its tracks and... You know, the main character is limited to, uh, by the fact that he is basically a small, probably less than 10-year-old child and doesn't have the means he usually would to hunt down this organization. So, like, that, you know, in this case, Rome wasn't built in the day. Like, this isn't, gonna, this isn't something that's going to be solved quickly. So, to that end, I'm really, that was something that kind of impressed me with Detective Conan's premise. Now, with that being said, you know, as much as I give people crap for, you know, not wanting to start things because they're long, I can understand not wanting to get into Conan because I love Detective Conan and I podcast about it. But even I can say that, oh, well, it is a little frustrating while the show or just the series overall is still very good. and I enjoy it. You know, there are some times where I feel like, man, I really wish we could get to the story of it like a little more often because it does get to a point where i'm like you know these mysteries are really cool and i i love you know experiencing them but it's like there are some points where i wish you could get to the point a little faster so sometimes 
you know, when people come up to me and, and are like, hey, should I get a detect Detective Conan? Or or I don't know if I want to start Detective Conan. I'm like, you know what? I totally understand. <laughs> Detective Conan is the one exception where I'm like, I totally understand if you don't want to start Detective Conan. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid and I got into Detective Conan way back in 2006, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I enjoyed it because I liked the mysteries, and I didn't think Conan was ever going to, you know, become an adult again. I didn't think he was ever going to meet the Black Organization guys again. I just liked the mysteries, and I was enjoying it for the weekly mysteries. I just found that entertaining. And then Hybra shows up and reveals she created the drug that turned Conan the kid. And I'm like, whoa! Plot progression! Whoa! <laughs> and then, then like, the Black... I, I find out there's more arcs with Black Organization and the FBI get involved and there's all this craziness. And yet, oh, yeah, plot stuff. But at the fundamental core of Conan for me, it's just the mysteries and, like, the weekly shenanigans and just the characters and stuff you know it's it's i'm not i'm not watching conan for the plot really like when the plot happens it's cool but like i just enjoy the fun mysteries and characters and that's the appeal of conan and i I totally agree with that just not interested in that kind of show because like it's a it's a long-running family show like most anime fans they're not they don't want something like conan they want something with like more story more fast paced something that's shorter oftentimes has more action maybe you know so a lot of anime fans aren't really looking for something like conan but i like you know stories like conan i I like i don't care that you know it's probably going to take 10 more years for like it to actually you know no 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 no. big final arc no 10 years let's make that 20 doesn't matter. The point is, I just enjoy Conan because I enjoy the fundamental core of Conan, which is like the weekly episodic mysteries. That to me is what Conan's great at. That's what Conan is. So I don't really care about the plot. And so in terms of people dropping it, that's totally understandable to me because it's kind of the same formula like every week so at some point you'll say yeah I'm, i don't know if i really want this in my life i don't care about this right now so you can go out of it and then at some point you'll be like you know i'm feeling first in the mood for some conan i'll cat back into this for a while and then you get back into it for a while then you drop out again and you just you just keep going back and forth like that so conan to me is not a serious read where you should feel obligated to like be keeping up with it obsessively. You can just go in and back out and like things will be somewhat different maybe when you get back in, but mostly it'll just be the same and it's always but it's always good. So you always feel good watching it or reading it. I totally agree with that. I that's that's kind of where I am with Conan right now cuz if I really wanted to and if I had more time, just more free time to myself. I could catch up with the anime if I really tried to, but like, I'm also at that point where it's like, you know, I enjoy Conan a lot. If if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be podcasting about it. But, you know, I am kind of at that point where like, I don't really feel the need to like, try and finish Conan all at once. You know, I'm, I'm fine with just kind of dipping back in whenever I have the timeline. I'm like, when I'm in the mood to watch it, I'm like, okay, let's, let's watch an episode. Let's, let's see where this goes. I also kind of sort of feel the same way with when I record One Podcast Prevails, but we also try to record that as often as we can, so we're not gone from the airways for too long. But, you know, I guess my point being, 
I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here where I can totally understand people not wanting to get into Conan and kind of dropping it. But I also agree with you, Sid, that like the actual story of Conan isn't really entirely the point. It is about, you know, seeing the like watching these weekly mysteries and just kind of enjoying the characters. Uh, so I totally agree mm-hmm. with your point there. Um, I guess uh, we have number three here. Kochikame ending at 200 volumes. It's complete. 296 people voted for this. Which, uh, you know, I can understand that. Kochikame, from what I hear, is a pretty episodic, gag-driven series. So I could totally understand, just like with Conan, to an extent, you know, people, you know, getting into it, but not not feeling like the need to, like, keep up with it obsessively. Just kind of read it whenever, you know what I mean? And then uh, we have number four here with Bleach, though that series is completed at uh, 74 volumes with 207 people voting for that series, which, yeah, I can understand dropping Bleach because I dropped Bleach at one point and um, I'm kind of glad I did because, man, I did not like reading Bleach Weekly, though, uh, like along with Sid, I've had people tell me that, you know, it's it's not as bad like when you when you're reading it in chunks, when you're kind of marathon reading it. So I'm willing to give Bleach, you know, that benefit of the doubt. But God, yeah, that pace week to week is unbearable. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then we have uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure at number five uh, with, uh, you know, through all of its incarnations, totals at 118 volumes and uh, 149 people voted for that, which I guess I can understand dropping JoJo too. I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I enjoy it so much that I'm willing to keep up with it. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about that, Sid? You're not keeping up I'm with keeping it. I'm keeping up with you it through the anime, the at least, is what I meant. That doesn't count. <laughs> okay, fine. As far as the manga goes, you know, because JoJo is a weird series. Like, it has this whole reboot thing, starting with Part 7, and then it's monthly now. And, like, there's it's long, there are bit long chapters, but they're also... Sometimes it kind of feels like the pace is a little slower. So, you know, and also it's a lot more fun to read JoJo, like, all at once. So I can see, like, for the monthly grind, people would be like, "Mm, you know, I'll wait until this is out in volume format, or maybe. Or, like, now after the reset thing, people are like, huh, well, I guess the original generation is, you know, all done now. And this is, like, a whole new thing. So I'm not really sure if I'm interested in, like, the new this new universe stuff anymore. Hmm, I can see that. That's about the top five there. Um, I don't want to go through the entire list, because that would take forever. But um, I guess just, just to pick out a few that kind of strike me. Gintama is listed at number eight, that currently being 67 volumes, with 127 people voting for that. Now, I I can understand Gintama to an extent, because... God, even as far as, like, Western fandom goes, there are constantly new people giving this series a chance, and they'll watch, like, five episodes. It's always just the first five episodes that people watch, and they'll be like, Hey guys, so I'm posting on the Gintama subreddit for the first time. Um, When does Gintama get funny? When does it get good? Um, When does the action start? Like, that's something I constantly see all over the place, and it just, it kind of kills me on the inside every time I see that, because it's, because Gintama's another example of, like, of, like, a series where, like, the story isn't, like, super important to an extent, it's sort of a means to an end, way more so than Conan, I feel like, and, you know, Gintama is a series about the characters, like, you, you read Gintama to, 
you know, basically get a laugh and just spend time with the characters. And that's the kind of series Gintama is. And unfortunately, you know, while Gintama does have its spurts of action here and there, and I feel like even compared to something like Detective Conan, I'll give Gintama credit that, you know, the like, Gintama at least pays attention to its narrative, I think, a little bit more comparatively, thankfully. But, like, again, like, the narrative is sort of a means to an end, to an extent. And, you know, like, it's there, but unfortunately, it's just, it's not given enough attention for people to want to uh, read 67 volumes or watch over 300 episodes of the anime, unfortunately. But, you know, Gintama's one of those things where, like, you either kind of get it or you don't, like... I don't really know how to explain it, but, like, yeah, Gintama being on this list definitely makes sense, unfortunately. And then I guess you have stuff like Hajime no Ippo at, uh, at number 11, with 116 volumes so far, with 111 people voting for this series. I'm surprised it's not higher, because it's so long, and there was this whole stretch where, like, it felt like the plot wasn't going forward, really, so... It's interesting it's not even in the top ten. Yeah, especially since, like... Hajime no Ippo is, like, a thousand-plus chapters long, though. That's interesting to me, because, like, I feel like with Hajime no Ippo, like, from the little I've seen of it, you can at least get through it faster, because, like, from the little I've seen of it, it seems like it's mostly just reading through a bunch of action anyway, so... Yeah, but again, think about the reading that weekly. Oh, oh yeah, re- okay, that then, yeah, reading that weekly, I'm sure, is hell, but, um, I'm sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, I mean, it's also important to note that this is... The series that are more popular and, like, more in public consciousness are going to get more votes anyway. Yeah. So you have stuff like One Piece and Conan at the top. Like, those are, like, extremely popular and omnipresent in, like, Japanese popular culture comparatively to Hajime no Ippo. Yeah. So, you know, obviously those are going to get more votes because more people have actually seen those and been into those for some time. Hmm. So that's another factor to think about when you're looking at this list. No, I could see that. What do you think of Inuyasha being at uh, number 12? That being 56 volumes in completion, 89 people voted for that. I'm not very surprised because Inuyasha is another series that I know people kind of get got and got tired of after a point and then like stop reading it. I think it's a shame because the best part of Inuyasha is like the last 20 or so volumes of the stuff that's in the final act. That's like the best part of it. So it's kind of a shame people dropped it. It's a series that is kind of frustrating to read weekly. It has a bunch of detours from time to time. There are it is has some repetitive things. Like Inuyasha does go on longer than it probably needed to. I think it could have been twenty volumes shorter if you trimmed it in a few areas. So I'm not surprised about that. That's a common complaint about Rumiko Takahashi series is that they go on a little too long. I don't really feel that way for. Most of them, except for Inuyasha, just in terms of the sheer amount of time he took to tell the story. Not so much like the fact that the later stuff isn't as good, because the later stuff is the best parts. Hmm, interesting. But I guess the other two series that kind of interested me in particular were uh, Gogo 13, which is 103 volumes and still ongoing. Wait, did I say 103? 83. 183. Okay, that, that's what I meant to say. With 77 people voting for that and Gogo 13. Yeah, see, like, if they're not, like, popular, they're also series that, like, are just tailor-made to go on forever, like Detective Conan and Gogo 13. And Oishinbo also is also on this list, too, at, actually in the top 10, and I believe that's still ongoing. So it's also series like that. I can understand why they'd be on this list. 
And then, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the last one I want to mention is Fairy Tale with uh, 60 volumes uh, ongoing and uh, 72 people voted for that at number 14. So, yeah, Fairy Tale I can understand dropping because that's another series I dropped as well around the time skip. Fairy Tale really isn't a series I want to read in general, let alone um, <laughs> weekly or in chunks. That Fairy Tale just kind of turned me off at some point, just in terms of quality. So, no Fairy Tale retrospective episode when it ends? <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. If people want it, I'll do it. But just know that if we do it, I'm not doing it because I want to. <laughs> I'm doing it because I like making my listeners happy. So there you go. I don't think there's anything else on this list we want to mention in particular. Yeah, not really. Uh, this is pretty interesting. You know, obviously, again, keep in mind, like, the most more popular series place higher than less popular series. So that's always a factor. But, yeah, it's not nothing too surprising, really. Like, these are all serious. I can understand people dropping. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when when anything goes on for a long time, people are just going to get out of it. You know, that's nothing surprising. Like, there are plenty of people who aren't watching Simpsons or Family Guy anymore. You know, how long those have gone on and how popular they still are, you know? So... And even something shorter, like, I haven't watched Adventure Time in two years, even though I really enjoyed that show. I just fell out of it. You know, there's just all sorts of reasons you can fall off of something. Like, the longer something will go on, like, the more chance you are of just falling off on it. Yeah, and, you know, like, there was a time where, like, I got into Steven Universe, and that was, like, my my favorite thing for, like, a couple of months, and that, well probably a year i kept up with it for a little while and then like sit in adventure time i kind of fell out of steven universe and i'm just kind of like i'll just get back to it when i feel like it so it's it's pretty normal to feel like that with uh with something that goes on for at least a little while but yeah i think that was all of our news and just checking here real quick i don't think we uh we don't have any messages to read unfortunately nope Remember, guys, we love reading your emails, so send those in to mangamavericks at gmail.com. There you go. So I guess, um, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but as far as what we're going to do next episode, um, I am reading through Great Teacher Onizuka, otherwise known as GTO. Um, I am about 13 volumes in, so about halfway through. I got about two more weeks. I think I can read the rest of it. Shouldn't be too hard. I've been, I got through a lot of it this week, but uh, yeah, I'm reading through that, and uh, hopefully... Uh, I won't say who we're going to have on just yet because we still need to get in contact with them and try to try to schedule some things out. So we won't say who just yet, but uh, we're definitely going to have a guest on for that. Uh, to not only talk about GTO, but I think we'll probably end up talking a lot about maybe Tokyo Pop in general. Because as um, just an aside, as I uh, as I have found out, so I bought all of GTO so I could like read it, you know, physically. I because I just happen to have a store a local, like, anime shop near where I live who just happened to have most of it for, like, $5 a pop. I'm like, okay, I might as well make an investment. I've been wanting to read GTO for a while. And so I bought all of it, and then I start reading through it, and then I, when I start tweeting about it, like, live-tweeting it or whatever, people start telling me, like, oh, Tokyo Pop, oh, man, remember those guys? Like, I knew for the longest time that, like, it was funny just to shit on Tokyo Pop, but I never really knew why. And I won't get into specifics, because we'll save that for the show, but 
I'm starting to realize why people don't like Tokyo Pop, because, oh boy, uh, apparently there's a lot of uh, history behind that company that I was not aware of. And I was just, I was not aware of the overall quality of their release of GTO and really just all of their other releases in general. But again, we'll, we'll save that discussion for next episode. That's, that's an episode I'm definitely looking forward to. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get uh, whoever we want to have on the show for that. So there you go. So look forward to that next episode. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Sid, why don't you talk about our manga fight again real quick? Yeah. Next week, our manga fight will be out featuring Dr. and Jeff Ruberg duking it out on My Hero Academia-related topics. If you have questions or topics you want like to see us discuss on the show, make sure to send those in to our email at mangamavericksgmail.com or tweet them out to us at our Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or even post on Animation Revelation, the Mom and Mavericks forum there. And just get those questions into us. I'll make a post on Reddit in the My Hero Academia subreddit too. So you can uh, post questions there as well. So yeah, just uh, any questions, topics you want to see us discuss, just send them to us and we might be able to incorporate them into the show or just otherwise answer them after the manga fight itself. So yeah, we definitely got some cool things to look forward to. I'm excited. Uh, I wonder how that manga fight's going to go. Yeah, it's going to be a little different than usual. We're shaking things up oh. a bit. So it's going to be very interesting. Just, just as a note, I'm completely in the dark of, about what Sid is talking about. So that's going to be cool. I love surprises. Uh-huh. But I think that's going to be about it for the show. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. Uh, Again, we apologize for not having a discussion, but even if we don't have a discussion, we're still always going to report news. And we just, we had a lot to go through, so I figured, you know, just a news-only episode would be fine every once in a while. We, we, we don't always have time to read a bunch of series and prepare for discussions, unfortunately, so there'll still be episodes like this every once in a while. It's a very rare occasion that we can have an episode that's under an hour and a half. So that's pretty interesting, you know? You know, uh, people wanted our our podcast only lasts like an hour to two hours or two hours to three hours anyway. So now we finally have an episode under three hours. That, that's, that's a rare occasion. There, are you happy? I think we can be satisfied with that once in a while. Don't have to record for over three hours, sometimes even more, <laughs> including off-screen, non-recording time. So, yeah, cut us some slack this week, guys. Yeah, I I hope everybody's happy because this will probably probably won't happen again for another couple of months. Okay, so. Yeah, we're pretty booked. Yeah. In the future. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming up that I I also still need to prepare for, actually. Um, So, uh, Sid, uh, where can the good people find you at? You can find me on Twitter and Animation Revelation as Lum Ranma Yasha. Those are basically my main two hangouts. Just uh, yeah, you can if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me there. And also, just so we don't forget to mention it, uh, make sure to keep an eye on our YouTube page and like and subscribe our content on there. Remember that's Manga Mavericks. We still don't have a custom URL. Maybe you guys can help us out with that by subscribing to the channel because we need a hundred subscribers before we can get that. But yeah, so check out our YouTube page, Manga Mavericks, and 
who knows, we might have some exclusive content coming on there Ooh. in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for Ooh, that. Exclusive. Again, stuff that even I don't know about. So I'm just as excited as you guys. Um, but uh, there you go. Go follow all of Sid's stuff. He does some He does some cool stuff too. So you should do that. Um, uh, also, you can read our uh, seasonal impressions on Animation Revelation on our seasonal clusterfucks. I wrote a couple of reviews of a lot of shows. So if you want to hear my thoughts on some of the new spring anime season shows, you can uh, check that out as well. You, you done? You done? Yeah, okay, now, now I'm done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for Sid to interrupt me again. Um, so <laughs> um, so you know, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. That's at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. And, uh, you know, I mentioned before, you know, if you hadn't already known, I do a few other podcasts on the site as well. Uh, one of them is called Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. Uh, you know, if you want to hear any more of my thoughts on Gintama, basically my favorite thing in the entire world, uh, that's why I'm podcasting about it, um, you can uh, find that at GintalifeLessons.wordpress.com. And, uh, you know, I also mentioned earlier One Podcast Prevails. That is a Detective Conan slash Case Closed podcast that I record with past guest Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime podcast. That's that's the podcast I record with him. So, um, you know, if you want to listen to me talk about Detective Conan, Case Closed, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's One Podcast Prevails. You can find that at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. But uh, as for the podcast and all comic in general, you can find more of our podcast, that's Manga Mavericks, at all-comic.com. Uh, you'll find every episode posted there first, uh, and then you can follow All Comic uh, on facebook.com slash alt.comic, or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore, but if you want to follow you know, Manga Mavericks, you know, our podcast in particular, uh, you can follow us, like Sid said, at manga underscore Mavericks. Uh, please leave us a tweet there or just follow us to keep an eye out for the latest updates on the podcast. And you can also uh, email us anything about uh, whatever manga you're reading. What questions do you want to ask us? Uh, any? Do you have any thoughts on uh, any of the news that we discussed this episode? What What manga have you dropped uh, because they were so long or due to length or whatever? Uh, or, hey, like Sid said earlier, uh, if you have any uh, questions about My Hero Academia that you uh, have a chance to hear during our uh, manga fights uh, or whatever coming up, you can email us. All that and anything else at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes if you so choose. We would really appreciate it if you did that. And again, like Sid said, follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, that's Manga Mavericks. We need 100 uh, subscribers for uh, for the YouTube channel, so you get a custom link for that. So please do that. But I think that's going to be about it. Uh, this was episode 29 of Manga Mavericks on allcomic.com. And uh, stay tuned next time for our, our manga fight. That's going to be cool. And also uh, episode uh, 30 of Manga Mavericks as well, coming up after that. Bye, guys. Sayonara.